Jealousy is self-serving. Jealousy is self-focused. Gratitude, by very definition, is others-focused. One of the best things to do to get rid of jealousy in our hearts is to cultivate gratitude. What are you grateful about? What are you thankful for? This is Living a Legacy, featuring the Bible teaching ministry of Crawford Lorenz. Crawford has served in Christian ministry for over 50 years. His books include Leadership as an Identity, Unshaken, and Your Marriage Today and Tomorrow. Crawford now heads the Christian leadership mentoring organization known as Beyond Our Generation. Well, we're making our way through a series called The Pursuit of God's Heart, with our text based in 1 Samuel chapter 18. We are looking at the life of David, and today the second part of Crawford's message, The Dark Side of Favor, or The Hideous Nature of Jealousy. After David's victory over the giant Goliath, people began to honor young David, which brought on jealousy within King Saul. Now, this was not a mild jealousy. This was a I-want-him-dead kind of jealousy. When we left Crawford last week, he was warning us that not everyone will accept our victories or accomplishments with warm hearts. We need to be ready to interact with them appropriately. Well, let's see what God's Word has to say about the progression of jealousy. Again, our text is 1 Samuel chapter 18. Here's Crawford Loretz on living a legacy. We can, we can fertilize jealousy innocently, but we create it. Well, Saul had enough mess in his own heart that he didn't need that fertilization. No, you, you just need to know not everyone close to you means you well or can handle your good news. And David had to learn this. David was a fairly young man and fairly innocent in these relational matters. But I got to tell you, and I'm just going to say this to you, one of the things I've learned the hard way, anybody, any, any of us that have been involved in leadership and teams or this kind of thing, we have any kind of public gifting or whatever, you have to quickly understand, no, you can't be suspicious of everybody. But the truth of the matter is that not everybody close to you has your best interest at heart. Not everybody can handle your good news. Not everybody can handle your blessings. And you need maturity and discernment about these issues. Well, yeah, now it slides into number three, control and retaliation. I tell you, man, Saul was just like, his anger and frustration, now verse 10, control and retaliation. Uh, listen closely. Sometimes when we read these stories, we miss out on some details here that opens things up. I've read this a number of times, and, and I did not recognize this one little detail that's so clear in the text. He says in verse 10, the next day, a harmful spirit from God rushed upon Saul. And that's not one of the details, but I do need to make an explanation here. You say, Does God, is God the author of evil? Did God sin? a demon or a harmful spirit, did, did he really send him that way? Uh, I don't want to go to take too much time, but whenever you do Bible study, you're studying your Bible, and you read something that is not repeated elsewhere, then you ought to pause and say, wait a minute. Then that can't mean what I think it says, even though it says it obviously. This is to be taken in light, it's similar to what, what's said in Romans 1, that God turned people over to a reprobate mind. 
what is meant by this is no, God did not make them reprobates, but he stood back and allowed the natural progression of their disobedience to be their sentence. I think this is to be taken here. No, God did not send an evil spirit to Saul, but I think what, what is meant here is that God took his protective hand off of Saul and allowed an evil spirit to come upon him to accomplish God's purposes, both in Saul and in David. So that is what is meant by this, that God stepped back and said, okay, Saul at this point is becoming unglued. And for the rest of his life, for the rest of his life, Saul would be characterized by dabbling into the demonic and dabbling into the, the dark side of the supernatural. Now, I think it's an interesting observation here that you have two people, all right? One with an evil spirit on him and the other, David, with the Holy Spirit on him. And this demonic spirit is driving the jealousy. I don't want to make too much of this, but I do want to say this to you. Be careful. Don't play with jealousy. Be careful, 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 careful. It's not neutral. It's not a small S sin. To nurture jealousy is to leave the door open for satanic activity in and through your life. It is not a small thing. And this is what happens to, this is what happens to, to Saul. Now, here's what I want you to notice. Um, it says, uh, and the next day a harmful spirit from God rushed upon Saul, and he raved within his house while David was playing the lyre. And as, as he did day by day, Saul had his spear in his hand. Now, listen to this. Notice the expression, raved. He raved in his house. Now, this is a, this is a picture, a portrait of a man who's gone nuts. I'm, I don't mean that in a humorous way. He has, he has, he has lost it. I mean, he's gone around raving and, and just, he's off and he's just complaining. He's probably incoherent. And there's David. David's trying to soothe the dude. I mean, he's playing his liar. He's trying to calm the man down. He's sitting there. I don't know what he's playing, New York State of Mind or something. I don't know. He's trying to, hey man, whatever, name that tune. Whatever will keep you down here. No, come on down. And what, what does Saul do? The last line of verse 10 says, Saul had his spear in his hand, and Saul hurled the spear. For he thought, I will pin David to the wall. Now look at this last line. This is what I missed. But David evaded him twice. Twice. Oh, there's an insight here. Don't miss this. Here you have Saul, who literally has lost his mind. And he wants to kill David. David is trying to soothe the man who's trying to kill him. Listen to this. He doesn't throw the spear at him one time. He throws it at him twice. The first time, David ducks, and I guess he retrieves it, and he's thinking to himself, you know, he, he needs help, and I, I'm here to help him. I'm here to sue. I got to tell you something, man. You throw a spirit at me one time, I'm out of here. I don't, you know, yo, dude, my ministry's over. 
But this, this is an insight into the greatness of David. Do you, know, do, you know, do you know this typified his life for the whole time, the 16 years he ran from Saul in the wilderness? Two times, two times he could have killed him. He would have been right to kill him. And he said, I will not touch the Lord's anointed and neither will you. You ask, why is he a man of the God's own heart? Because he refused to be vindictive. He refused to do that. Some of you have gotten down in the mud with your stuff. Yeah, they're jealous of you. Yeah, they've come after you. But you've gone after them too. We need to bless the jealous. We need to bless the jealous. I stand here not speaking theoretically. I've had to learn this through my life. You need to bless the jealous. You don't return their attacks. David was blessing the man that was throwing stuff at him. So Saul tries a different tactic. We go to number four, fear and humiliation. So beginning of verse 12, <laughs> he, he's thrown the spear at him a couple of times, and Saul was not, not I mean, he was, he was used to fighting. Says verse 12 says, so Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. Saul was scared of him. He was afraid. Ironically, the the spear episode scared Saul to death. And the reason why it scared him to death because the lights came on. Oh my gosh. This is what Samuel said. God's hand ain't on me, it's on him. How did he get away twice? He was afraid. I, I, I just gotta tell you, you know, if God's blessing and favor is on someone, yeah, you need to hear this. And I'm speaking to those of us here who are struggling with jealousy and you got a little bit of a good even streak in you. Uh, let me just say this to you. If God's blessing and favor is on someone's life, you're not going to stop them or impede them. It's like Joseph. Joseph's brother sold him into slavery. Woman lied on him, said he tried, she, he tried to rape her. He did no such thing. He's thrown in jail. And he interprets a dream, and he says, when you go before Pharaoh, remember me, and they forgot about him here again. God had the right time, and here Joseph is now over all of Egypt, second in command, governor of Egypt. Now these same dudes that sold him into slavery try to off him. Ironically, they're depending on him. And when he makes himself known to them, they say, oh, crud. He said, no, I'm not going to hurt you, man. See, here's the deal. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. The Lord was with him. Well, verses 15 and 16, this is unbelievable. The favor on David had two effects. On, uh, one was on the people, the other one was on Saul. Verse 15 says, And when Saul saw that he had great success... You see, he tried to, his, his, what Saul tried to do was, after the spear thing failed, he sends David out to war, but David goes in and out, right? 
and he is successful. I mean, he, <laughs> Saul said, look, I can't, I can't win for losing, man. He sends him out there. He thinks this young dude that doesn't have much experience in battle. I know he threw that slingshot there, but I'm going to send him with the big boys, okay, where there's heavy-duty fighting and all this kind of stuff. Certainly, he's going to get killed. Not only did he not get killed, he was eminently successful. So he comes back. Verse 14 says, And David had success in all his undertaking, for the Lord was with him. And when Saul saw that he had great success, he stood in fearful awe of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David, for he went out and came in before them. You know, his, his problem just got entrenched. That is Saul's problem. The impact on the people when they saw the hand of God on David was greater and 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 greater. But the Bible said what happened to, to Saul is that he was in fearful awe of him. Now, obviously, that is not to be taken as in fearful, oh, oh, man, look at him. Isn't he wonderful? Oh, oh man, this is awesome. I'm, no, no, it's not to be taken that way. It's to be taken as Saul was petrified of David. Actually, more accurately, he was petrified of God, whose hand was on David. And this scared him. I need to land a plane here, but I, and, and I want to give you some quick applications. In fact, I'm going, to, I'm going to list six perspectives on conquering jealousy. But let me give you two big lessons out of this story to bridge this. The first big lesson is this. Now, now hear, hear me on this one. Listen to this. Listen to this. Number one, what we take from others will be taken from us. So if you have a little bit of revenge stuff that's in you and you're trying to get back at somebody that's messed over you, you, you're, you got this little jealousy thing going and you're going to manipulate. And I, just want you, I just want you to remember this. I want you to hear this. Write it down. What we take from others will be taken from us. The second, our attacks on others is God's fertilizer to cause them to flourish. The more Saul came after David the more God, bumper crop, bumper crop, bumper crop, bumper crop. That's the way the Lord works. So having said that, let me suggest these six perspectives. Now, this comes out of my life. This is, comes out of my journey. This comes out of my, my moments of jealousy. And quite frankly, it comes out of times in my life in which I've been the object of some power moves and other things. You don't, you don't get to this age of my life without having been through some stuff. And with, you know, it's, it's all part of it. Don't mean to put all the stuff out on blast, but it's the reality. The first thing you have to do concerning jealousy, if you're going to get over it, is see it as sin and repent. Name it as sin and repent. That competitive spirit that you have that wanting to hurt somebody or take something from somebody, wanting to put somebody down, the gossip that you tell, being hypercritical, all of that stuff. When, when somebody's hypercritical of an individual repeatedly, that's just an indication of jealousy. Or somebody sharing a little bit of gossip about a certain person or a situation, somebody tipping their hands about, well, why, why is that so severe? Confess it as sin, name it as sin and repent of it. The second thing is this, number two, recognize that God controls your life. And I don't mean this theoretically. He is sovereign. 
He is sovereign. You gotta get to a place, now listen, I'm not Pollyanna about this, but I want you to hear me on this. You gotta get to the place in your life where everything in your life, God is going to work together for good. You have to believe that. Even, and, I, and again, please hear me, I'm sensitive to all of this stuff, but even the abuse that you went through, even the pain that you went through, even the stuff that happened to you, you gotta believe that God was not somewhere out of the picture, that somehow or another this is greater than his ability. God is sovereign and he can use this in your life. And if you don't ever get to that place, you're always going to be empowering people, empowering your circumstances, empowering your pain. There comes a tipping point in your life where your mess has got to become your message. If it doesn't, it will destroy you. And you've got to believe here, not here, that God is sovereign. And I would say in connection with this, it means in, 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 in this regard, you have to cultivate gratitude. Let me tell you something that I've learned. Gratitude and jealousy cannot occupy the same place. I have never met a grateful, jealous person. Seriously, and I'm not trying to be cute. And the reason for it is obvious, because jealousy is self-serving. Jealousy is self-focused. Gratitude, by very definition, is others-focused. So I think one of the best things to do to cultivate or to get rid of jealousy in our hearts is to cultivate gratitude. What are you grateful about? What are you thankful for? Number three, remember what God has for you, no mortal being can take from you. I wish I had known this in my 30s. You have got to believe with all of your heart that what God has for you, no mortal can take from you. In other words, God will take impeccable care of you. You don't have to fight somebody for something that you think you deserve. What God has for you, whatever it is, the only thing you need to be worried about and concentrate on is your walk with God, your faithfulness to him, stay in this book, listen to him, and what God has for you, he will bring to you. And he will take impeccable care of you. I'm a living witness. God has been taking care of this old boy. It took me a long time to realize this, but God has been taking care of this old boy for a long time. Yes, despite what others have tried to do. And so we need to stop empowering people. They don't make you. Number four, obey God and let him be the architect of your life. Obey him. You don't have all that time to be comparing yourself with somebody else and wondering where they are. You're wasting your time. He's the one that's building your life. He's the one that's structuring your life. He said, over here, over here, Saul, stop, over here. Saul, stop, over here. David, David, it's not about Saul, it's about me. David, no, 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 it's not about them, it's about me. Here, 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 you do this. Get them out of the picture. And number five, don't lead with your rights, but respond to what is right. This is a big lesson that David had to learn, a lesson that all of us have to learn. If you just go around marking your territory and demanding your rights, you're, gonna, you're only gonna grow to the level of your demands. 
And the truth of the matter is our rights have got to be violated in order for us to be what God wants us to be. It is more important to be right than to declare your rights. And people who keep declaring their rights are going to live of necessity in, the, in, in, in an environment, the crowded cesspool of comparisons. You don't need to go there. And the final one is this. Promote and celebrate others' success. That's right. You see, our life is about the glory of God and not about our glory. Make yourself do that, especially when you're feeling jealous. When you're feeling jealous, don't attack them. Write them a thank you note. I'm going to say this to parents here. This is not PC. Don't always think that it's best for your child to be in situations in which they are being successful. I think in terms of the formation of their character, it is necessary for them to be in context in which they're failing sometimes, in which they're not getting the attention. I think they grow more in terms of learning how to deal with that. You got to learn lessons, lessons of self-denial and of entrusting yourself so there's depth in your life. We've got to be known as people who trust God and not just folks who beat out the competition. This stuff that I just said today is nigh unto impossible to do. We're not talking about being able to pull this off with our human capacities. It takes the forgiveness of sin and the person of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us to pursue what David pursued and to do this the right way. And all you need to do is say, Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I turn from my sin and I trust you as my Savior and Lord, and he will come in and cleanse you. Crawford Loretz here on Living a Legacy. Let's review those six recommendations for dealing with jealousy. They are, number one, see it as a sin and repent. Number two, recognize that God controls your life. Number three, remember what God has for you no mortal being can take from you. Number four, obey God and let him be the architect of your life. Number five, don't lead with your rights, but respond to what is right. And number six, promote and celebrate others' success. Thank you so much, Crawford, for this heads up about just how hideous jealousy can become. Well, next week, Crawford continues his series called The Pursuit of God's Heart, and we're looking at some important segments of David's life. Next time, Crawford will share some thoughts about overcoming discouragement. Thank you so much for letting us know if these messages are helpful. Your correspondence with us is the only way for us to know if you're benefiting from this weekly Bible teaching. Mary emailed to say, I listened to last week's message about how God was given the glory to fight the battle and not David. I like these messages about David. I always learn so much and appreciate your ministry. Well, thanks so much, Mary. That's great to know. And here's one from Lynn. I'm taking the time to finally write. I listen faithfully to the program. Not only has it helped me to grow in my walk with the Lord, it has given me topics to share with my friends as I continue to encourage them to listen. I'm a relatively new listener. Thank you. Keep up the good work. Lynn, that's so great, and thanks for getting in touch. And we'd like to hear from you, too. 
Our mission in providing these weekly messages is to help you gain insights into God's Word that will move you along in your walk with Christ. Write to us at legacy at moody.edu, legacy at moody.edu. Well, thanks so much for joining us. For Dr. Crawford Loritz, I'm Bill Davis. This program is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.